Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Welcome again to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. My friend Peter Hyatt is with us again. She was last week, and I know that uh, you all who heard us last week and you all who heard Peter in other settings are uh, very much looking forward to this visit, as I am too. So, Peter, welcome back. Well, thank you, Paul. Feels like <laughs> only minutes ago that we were together. <laughs> yeah, quantum time and uh, and all of that stuff. We were just talking in between, and I'm so glad to get your take on this because you're way further down the line than I am. But I was just telling you that when I talk about my understanding, that which I believe is a biblical understanding, that it's God's will for everyone to be saved. And in fact, he has already saved us all. We just don't know that yet. And eternal conscious torment is not a biblical concept. It's a heinous, awful lie. But I digress. But one of the things that people say to me is, uh, well, what about when Jesus says, away from me, I never knew you? And I've just had some fresh to me understanding on that. But it turns out that you've been thinking about that for a while. And so tell us about that. I just want to turn you loose. Tell us about that and tell us about John 8 and what you were saying. It's a big idea that brings a whole bunch of things together. And for me, my journey has been as that of an expository preacher. So years ago, I came across these Bible verses I really just couldn't explain away, that God was restoring all things to himself and saving all people. But meanwhile, I'm having to preach through books of the Bible. And I think kind of consciously and unconsciously, I would pick books that had these hard verses on hell because I just wanted to deal with it. And we spent three years preaching through the book of Matthew as people (laughs) started getting angry at me. And then I got... (laughs) defrocked for believing God saves everyone. But over and over, I'd come across these hard verses that would just, you know, they'd scare the poop out of me until I really wrestled with them. And ironically, just by taking them seriously, they would spin around on me and become the most beautiful message. And one of those is, of course, Jesus' statement in Matthew, and he states it a little different in Luke. But he talks about people that would say, well, he tells a few different stories. They're a bit terrifying for religious people. But people that say, Lord, Lord, and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. And he talks about sons of the kingdom being cast in outer darkness. But if you just ask a question, well, what on earth could Jesus not know? What could God not know? He's all-knowing. He's truth. And, well, he could not know, and you get real philosophical about this, he could not know nothing um, because nothing isn't anything there to know. And what helped me with all those stories was ironically just taking the theology of Paul real seriously. And Paul will talk mm-hmm. about your true self and your false self or the old Adam or the old man. And the false mm-hmm. self is the self. It's really my ego. It's the lies that I tell about myself. So I say to people, you know, I think the judgment ultimately is between these two things. One I'd call Mises and the other I'd call Jesus. So Jesus means Christ is salvation. 
But we all believe this lie that I am my own salvation. I'm my own savior, uh, creator, and redeemer. And that's the original lie of the snake, you know, in the garden, because he says to Eve, and then the first Adam, Eve is the first Adam, really, if you get serious about what God, the story. But he says, hey, take some knowledge over there, and you can use that knowledge to make yourself in the image of God. And I think that's a picture of the law. And that's, of course, what the Pharisees, the religious people were doing in Jesus' day. So the evil one's temptation is to justify yourself. And to justify yourself is to make yourself right. And to be justified is to be declared right because you are right. And that's exactly what my ego does all the time. So in fact, we think that's who we are. We think that we are our own resume, right? So if someone says, well, who are you? You naturally think, well, I did this, this, and this. I achieved this, this, and this, and that's why I matter. And I think what Paul is revealing and what Jesus is revealing in those stories is, well, that's actually a lie about you. You don't matter because you created yourself. You matter because you are created. You are this creation of inestimable value. The spirit of God is in you. And everything good about you comes as a gift. So who you are is a creation of God. Who you think you are is your own creation, which is the false self. And God doesn't know that self because that self is an illusion. It doesn't exist. So when he says, depart from me, I never knew you. He's saying, I don't have a relationship with a lie. And this is fascinating because this all goes back to the garden story, I think, in this amazing way. But in scripture, you know, there are two ways to know something. You can know about things through the law, so you can know about the good through the law, but you can know a person that loves you in another way. And if you know them in that way, people often get pregnant that way, but it's a very, that's that personal relationship. And, yeah. and in the biblical picture, that's how you bear fruit. Jesus is the groom and you're the bride. And that picture freaks us out, modern people. I don't think it freaked out people in Jesus' day because they had a biblical view of covenant and sexuality and right. all those sorts of things. So yeah, I think the selfie doesn't know. And this is what's hard about having this discussion, because people will say, well, how could Hitler be saved? And I'd say, well, the Hitler that God made is saved and redeemed. And all those old empty evil places are filled up with the good. So just like Paul, who was the chief of sinners, who was worse than Hitler, Paul becomes the apostle of grace precisely because that old evil Paul got filled up with mercy and was transformed into this new creature. And in the same way, your false self that God does not know gets flooded with mercy and you surrender that false self and it, it is transformed into the new self. In Luke, he tells a similar story. And you remember the master at the end or whatever says, depart from me because I do not know where you're from. And I remember wrestling with that story going, what? How could you not know where someone is from, Jesus? And then I realized, oh, all they have to do is say where they're from. So all you have to do is say, yeah, I was watching porn or I was having my abortion or I was judging other people or I was getting real rich while the, my neighbor was starving. All you have to do is confess yourself. And that's your false self, your ego self. and that self gets filled with the glory of God and becomes your true self. And that picture that we have an old false self and a true self, I think runs through all of Jesus' stories and through all of the New Testament. It often gets translated out because modern interpreters, it will say old Adam or old man, and they'll translate as 
old self or whatever. And I think they often will translate it as the false, but it's really the false self or the false man. But when you get to stories about things like the wheat and the tares and the sheep and the goats, I think if you take those stories seriously, you have to come away with the realization that I'm I'm a tear and I'm a wheat. And those two things are mixed together. And a tear is a fake wheat. It's a weed that looks like wheat. And that's why you have such a hard time pulling it out because you can't tell them mm. apart and the roots are entangled. And so there's a bunch of stuff in me that's Peter Hyatt's ego that God still, you know, I belong to him. He's not given up on me. But there's a part of me that has to be cut away. It has to be circumcised. Well, there's another example too. And then there's something in me that if I take the story of the sheep and the goats real seriously, I go, yeah, there's a part of me that did not go and visit the sick and in prison. That part of me that was preoccupied with itself and that goat, I'm going to have to let go of that goat. And yet there's also a sheep. There's a part of me that did go do those things. And the goat is really an illusion. And, you know, of course, ultimately, goats and sheep are all actual goats and sheep are all recreated but it's that picture that yeah there is a false peter and there's a real peter there's a false peter that peter thinks he's made that is my worst nightmare that is the reason for all my anxiety and stress and shame and fear and there's a true peter that god has made that is free and happy and full of joy because he lives in gratitude for everything yeah. that's anything yeah and you know in sports or in music or whatever, we have that expression, goat, greatest of all time. And really, that's... Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's our ego, isn't it? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, and good. That, that is shocking. That's, that's a great, that's a great, I got to remember that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I should mention too. this too, Paul, because this is the same picture. There's another one that people get hung up on which I think is really the most fascinating is it's in John 8, where he says to, now this is fascinating because he says it to the Jews that had believed in him. That's what, so this, and you're like, whoa, Jesus, you're really messing with us evangelicals on this one. But these Jews that had believed in him, he says to them, you're of your father, the devil, which is really freaky, you know, because mm. that will feed into every horror movie you've ever watched is, yeah, And that always stressed me out until you just keep reading a sentence or two. Or it's, I think it's actually the same verse. And he says, the devil is the father of lies. And I realized one day, well, wait a minute. The devil can't make people. The devil can make false people. And the way he makes false people is he tells me this lie that I have to create myself. And the self I think I can create is my ego. And that's really the child of the devil. Now, this is fascinating, too. That's also the Antichrist. So if I get real technical about that word in John, and John said the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world, Antichrist really means imitation Christ. So if Peter thinks that Peter is his own savior, I'm exalting myself and taking the place of God in the temple that is me. And I'm, wow. I'm, I'm becoming the imitation Christ that has to be sacrificed. It has to be surrendered. But once that happens, I turn around and realize that it was he was an illusion. He was an illusion that I had created that needs to be destroyed. So whether or not there's one day some world leader that fits a bunch of prophetic things or not, I'm going, well, the Antichrist you really need to be scared about is the one that you create in your own heart, because that's the one that the devil uses and the one he uses to keep you in bondage. And I think that's what... It, 
there's another topic too, but I think that's when Paul talks about the flesh, that's what he's really talking about is my human body is like a picture of this. And sorry, I may be going on too long, but this amazes me. When I really look at my body, my flesh, it's shocking to realize my flesh grows by eating life and pooping death. I don't know how else to say that. And that's like my ego. My ego grows by thinking I'm better than other people, by exalting myself and humbling them. But that thing is an abomination. And when Jesus talks about an abomination, I think he's talking about that, that the very thing we're proud of is an abomination to him because it's this illusion that traps us. So for me, that's really helpful in understanding how it is that God redeems everyone, because I think the biblical picture, what Paul is saying like in his epistles is that everyone has to sacrifice the old man. So we all have to die with Christ and that he helps us sacrifice that false self. And we all have to rise with Christ, which is to live in our true self, which yeah. is coming home to Papa. It is. At the risk of opening a huge can of worms, and I hadn't planned on going here, but if the devil is the father of lies, is the devil a lie? Yeah, that's such a great question. And this is a huge, long topic that theologians talk about. And I've had some weird encounters. So this is the bizarre thing about me. <laughs> well, there's a lot of bizarre things about me. I've had some encounters with what I believe is the devil, not just demons, but the father of lies because of praying with a couple people that were ritually abused in really horrific ways. And he would manifest in these people. And I was really wrestling with this. What is the devil or what isn't the devil? And my sense is that the devil is different than a demonic spirit, which to me makes sense. It's a spirit. Like we all have a spirit, but it's fallen. But the devil seemed rather different. And once Jesus, he was appearing in visions to this friend we were praying for and also my wife. And he would trick her into gaining access to her because when she was little, and she was abused in this terrific way. She would cry out at night, somebody help me. And Jesus showed us that the devil, and what all this means, you know, you're going to have to figure out, but he had painted somebody across his forehead so that when she said, somebody help me, he would come to her and he would do this even now. And Jesus had us take, well, and I asked Jesus, I said, and I said to her, I said, ask Jesus, because he was talking to her in this vision. And I didn't have a vision, but my wife and she would. And I said, ask Jesus, is he a somebody? And so she asked him and she said, I heard Jesus say he's a nobody. And I thought, well, now that's fascinating because I think that means he's not a person like you or I, but he's more like the absence of a person. So if you create a shadow you, you can't really create a shadow. What you can do is you can create an absence of the light. And so I've wondered, and C.S. Lewis talked about the devil this way, as a creature that was entirely inside out, having all of the plans against God and heaven covered with all these intricate plans. But then he says on the inside, he was nothing but a black, empty purility, like a, and I had to look the word up, purility. It means childishness or like a, a rage. And so I really wonder because there's in scripture, it's unclear. So there are these Old Testament passages that talk about 
Lucifer having fallen, but I don't think Lucifer is necessarily the same thing as Satan or the adversary. And once in one of these visions, I it's a long story, but I said to my friend, I said, because I was preaching through the revelation, trying to figure that one out. And I said, ask Jesus, did you create Satan? And all of a sudden, my wife started laughing out loud. And she said, Peter, I see Jesus, and he's just laughing at you and shaking his head like you couldn't even begin to understand the answer to your own question. So I say that to say there's something really, I think, weird going on there. And he is like the presence of the void. In fact, one time I, we were, <laughs> I know this, people will probably not want to listen to me because of these stories, but this happened. I don't know how to explain it away, but I said something like, in the name of Jesus, I command you to go to the void. And I hear this and he says, I am the void. And I'm like, okay, I think maybe you are, but I don't know how to put all that together. <laughs> I think he's like a, a hollow man or something like, so I, and what is a lie? A lie is the absence of the truth. So I'm getting to your point, Paul. <laughs> a lie is the absence of the truth, right? Yeah. And a shadow is the absence of light. And death is the absence of life. And apathy, I think, is the absence of love. And that, to me, I think is what the evil one is. And then if you ask all these technical questions about well, is that personhood? Is there a spirit that God created there? Then you have to get into all kinds of questions about what does the word spirit mean? I don't know, but there's something there, yeah. there's something weird going on there. And this is why this is all is a little more challenging than some people think philosophically when they say, does God make all things new? So if you make a shadow new, <laughs> what does that mean? You shine the light on it, right? So is it a shadow anymore or is it the light? So if you were to make the Satan knew. Was he still the Satan or what is he at that point? I think when God makes us new, which he is doing right now, we will recognize ourselves because the shape of our sin mm. becomes the shape of our grace. But man, when the devil, that is a, a for me, that all of that's just helpful because I'm like, okay, God, you do what you want with the devil. That's fine with me. But I don't have to figure it out. But it's not as simple as people think. That's no, it's not. I gosh, I really appreciate all that you said. I, a couple of things go through my mind. One is, and you know, in First uh, Corinthians thirteen, on that day we will know. So we've always been known. And then, you know, it seems like John went to great pains to say in First John one five, this is the essence of what Jesus said to us. This is it in a nutshell. God is pure light with no trace of darkness. So there's no evil, there's no dark side, there's no shadow side, there's certainly no eternal conscious punishment or even any hint of that. And so that's the total opposite of evil, darkness, the devil, what, whatever we want to call it. One thing I did with the congregation years ago to try to help explain it, at least the idea of evil. So what you just said, I go, yeah, I think that's totally true. So then you have to ask the question, where on earth did evil come from? which is, is asking that if evil is that which God does not will, how could God will that which he does not will? Because there is evil that we encounter yeah. it. And what I did in the service is I took a spotlight and I said, well, imagine this is the sun. How could the sun create a shadow? Well, in one sense, the sun cannot create a shadow, but maybe the sun could create the earth and the earth would cast a shadow. So if God, who is light, 
create something other than himself, which in some way is us, well, we all walk around with a shadow. And so did God make the shadow or did we make the shadow? It's a, for me, that's a helpful picture. And then why would God ever make a shadow? Well, maybe so that we would encounter the shadow and then choose the light, which I think is what's happening in this world right now with all of us. Yeah. I think 22 minutes in, we got right to the, <laughs> we shucked right down to the cob. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no, that's really good, Peter. And gosh, it's just so refreshing to be able to talk about these things because, as you're very aware, uh, there was a time when uh, we weren't allowed to talk about these uh, or even to bring them up with somebody else uh, would get back to the uh, powers that be, whatever we call them in our abomination. And uh, uh, But people are talking about these things now. And like you questioned and like I did, and my friend that was at the restaurant with this morning, uh, just thinking, no, now, wait a minute. This can't be true. And this also be true. It just can't. Israel means wrestles with God, right? And the story yeah. of Israel guy's name is Jacob wrestles the God man at the river at the edge of the promised land. And I say to people, look, the word of God is the God man, and he wants you to wrestle with him. So Jesus would tell stories that confuse people, and he's wanting them to ask questions. And I think, to me, the most fascinating one is when you go back to the garden story, there are so many questions to be asked about that story. But if you ask them honestly, I think they lead to such a beautiful picture of who God is, and we're just beginning to ask the questions. And he wants yeah. us to ask the questions. He wants us to rest. He does. He does. I'm getting ready to do a teaching on when you fall from grace, where do you fall? What do you fall into? And when Adam and Eve fell, seems to me they fell into religion. That's another can of worms for <laughs> another day. Another well, day. yeah, that topic is just beautiful and huge. And so actually, this is what I get really excited about. I wrote two books on the first two chapters of Genesis, and you have those, Paul, but that's kind of wrestling with that story and those questions. And I think the really beautiful news is like God never lost control of the story. We think he lost control of the story, yeah, but he didn't. Yeah, it's all good. Well, I'd like to just talk for the rest of the week, and uh, <laughs> but <laughs> that's not going to happen this time. But guys, thank you so much for taking the time, and thank you for the things that you shared. That's uh, you know sometimes not very often, but sometimes when I do these things, they they don't end up being as good as I'd hoped for. Most of the time, they're good like I hoped for. And then once in a while, there's, uh, oh, man, that's way better than I thought it would be. And this is one of those times. So thank oh, you. good, good. Yeah, <laughs> thank, thank you. you, Paul. Thank you. And uh, tell people once more how they can find out more about you and your books and your teaching in the sanctuary. Yeah. So to find out about the church, you can go to the sanctuarydenver.org. And that can also lead you to another website that you might want to go to first, and that's relentless-love.org. And if you go to that site, you can go to the library and click on sermons. And then under sermons, there'll be sermon catalogs, and they'll have, and we're working on this, but there'll be sermons by topic, and you can kind of go to like the story in Matthew, the story in Luke, we we'll preach on all those verses, but you can find sermons on those things. Then you can also find where to get books and that kind of thing. So I feel like maybe if I have something to contribute, it's to help people go back to the stories and just take them seriously and look at them with a fresh perspective. And I think the, the shocking news is that after you wrestle the God man there at the edge of the river for a while, 
he blesses you and the blessing is far greater than you thought possible when you started wrestling. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Gosh. Well, thank you so much. I want to thank you again for being with us and thank all the rest of you for listening and being with us for another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.